I think they just set a standard that this was a big deal and it mattered. I think I just got to be around this scene that made it so exciting. That was Carlene Van Tongeren, and this is episode 10 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we're talking with Carlene Van Tongeren, who is not only an accomplished middle distance athlete, but also one of the most kind, generous, and humble humans I know. She discovered her natural talent for cross country and track in grade school in Victoria, BC, which eventually took her to Simon Fraser University. There, she competed in everything from 800 to 3000 meters, with the 1500 and relays being her specialty. Carlene was fortunate to compete with and against several women who have gone on to represent Canada at the Olympics and other international competitions, but she credits her many outstanding coaches for helping her to foster a love of the sport and inspiring her to actively give back to the next generation. Now 40, Carlene is running as strong as ever as a master's athlete, despite a very full life as a registered clinical counselor in the Comox Valley, a wife and a mother to two young children, ages six and nine. Just a heads up, this episode might make you wanna break out your track spikes and see how fast you can actually go. Without further delay, let's get on to our conversation with my friend, Carlene Van Tongren. Well, hello, Carlene. Kim and I are absolutely thrilled to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm just so excited to dive into your whole career as not only a middle distance athlete that we haven't had many of those, but a very accomplished middle distance athlete. So I'm very excited to explore all of that. But before we go there, I thought maybe you could just give us a little background on you. Sure. Okay. Well, I grew up on the island. I began life in Duncan on a farm and uh, moved to Victoria when I was seven uh, until high school and then spent a decade over on the mainland doing university and my master's and my initial, started my professional life over there in counseling. And, uh, and then we moved to Comox Valley seven years ago in 2014. And uh, I've started my counseling practice here, living here with my family and uh, my two kids and my husband, Chad. And how old are the kids? Uh, the kids are, Stellan is six and Hudson is nine. Awesome. Okay. And I know they'll, they'll be a big part of this story as we go along, but maybe now you could start by telling us kind of when and how running came into your life. So I recall being about seven or eight and uh, my brother, my older brother, Tyson, he was a couple years older than myself, uh, went into a cross country race. Uh, he would have been grade four and I was there on the sidelines watching and remember asking my parents, oh, let me do that next race. I want to do that. Okay. So you weren't quite old enough to be on the team, but you're there watching your brother going, oh, I can't wait till I can do that. Yeah. I kind of run along beside the races and cheer and I just wanted to be part of it. So my parents asked if I could start a bit early with the team and start training with them. And I just got to compete a year up. Okay, so so now you're, what, grade three when you started to compete? Mm -hmm. Yeah, grade three. Okay, so, so talk to us about some of that early, like your early accomplishments in, in cross-country and track. Like when you first started in cross-country, how did it go? Was it everything you dreamed of when you were watching Tyson? Yeah, I think I have a lot of fond memories of, I. Our, we lived actually right next to my elementary school uh, at that that year and so the warm-up loop was a one block around the school so my brother and I would just wait till the team got to our back alley and then we'd, we'd join in <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, awesome. and I think we'd do a few strides or something um but uh I just had all these great people to run with uh, my team was very talented my coaches were great and enthusiastic so I just felt carried along initially and just trying to chase the older girls. Okay. And how did you do that first year? I think I remember 
coming in the top five. Like one of my better placings was probably third. I had these twins, Anna and Ella, who went on to be runners as well. And I think one one became a basketball player, one became a runner. They were these twins. And so one, I think near the end of the season, we were one, two, three. Um, so I worked my way up uh, in the older kids, um, but didn't have that pressure of having to win or expecting to win because I was a year younger, which I think was a nice way to start. And what distances were we talking at this point? I think like 1.5K around there. That's still pretty far for a grade three, four student. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it. I remember giving my all, but I don't remember ever it being too grueling, you know. Um, they were, yeah, it was usually over fairly quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, had some good hills in there. And, and Victoria was very windy. So I think a lot of my memories of elementary school cross country was, and the track was uh, like Beacon Hill Park exposed to the wind and the water and just like getting blasted as you came around the corner by the wind or UVic track was notorious for you come around one bend and you just get hit by this wall of wind <laughs> that you're facing. Yeah. <laughs> so how did your running progress as you move through the years? Did you continue to be a star runner throughout elementary school? Yeah, I would say, yeah, from grade four onwards, I started winning a lot of races. Um, it was never such that I was way out front uncatchable um so there was always someone in the greater victoria like a couple of girls that would um we would sort of go toe to toe uh and so there was there was always pressure each race of if i could win you know once i started winning um uh, so i remember that distinctly uh and yeah, I, re I recall it was quite important to me, grade seven. I had one at the city finals for cross country at Beacon Hill Park, grade four, grade five, and grade six. And I don't think anyone had swept the entire four years before. So that, mm. that was a memorable race. You, you came into, there was this infamous hill that my dad and I would talk about. Like that was sort of the make or break of the race. If you could kind of get ahead on that hill, then you would come down and into this 400 meter sand field where the, it was lined with crowds and you would do this big kind of square through the final shoot. And that was always a key point was like, can you get a breakaway on that hill and then just continue with all you've got, <laughs> bring it in. I'm wondering if your mindset changed, like from that very first year where you were running up a year with the older kids and there was no expectations on you to now grade seven, where you've won every year for the past three years and you've got your sights set on a fourth win. Like, did you feel any pressure from other people or maybe even yourself to perform and win and stay on top? Yeah, yeah. I think once you win, it's, it's holding on to the win or losing the win, right? So uh, I think there is a freedom in being the chaser or the underdog. Uh, and I think there was other races in track where that was a fun role to play of like always coming second or third and then really working up to, okay, at islands, for example, really seeing if I can take the win on that one. And that it, it was, it was nice to not always just be out in front and everyone's chasing you. There was some really great runners in Victoria that, and on the Island when I was going to school that I got to switch out of that sometimes. So I'm glad for that. Yeah. So you got to experience the best of both worlds. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sounds like. Yeah. I think I definitely remember as a kid, Mondays was cross country races after school and we'd have our team meeting in the morning and bless his heart, Mr. Howroyd, he would go in his little plane on the weekend and he would video the course from the air for us and then put in the VHS tape and, and show us, okay, this is where the hill is guys. And then you go up and around here and there'd be like the, the sound of the propeller in the back. I'm <laughs> 
This is amazing. This is mind blowing. I know. It was so, when I think back to, the, you know, he's a teacher, but he's volunteering, right? And so he'd come in early Monday mornings, we'd have these team meetings, announcements would be on about, you know, cross country after school. And then the next morning, they'd always report how everyone did. So th there was all these points I remember of like all day Monday, I'd have nerves. And then the next day, if I want, I'd be so excited. They're going to say it on the announcements. <laughs> but I, I'm just still stuck on this teacher videoing the course from the air. I mean, this is significant. This is, there's a lot to that. There's the visualization. Yeah. There's the preparation. There's the fact that he invested so much of himself in you. I imagine as a team, you had, you know, no choice but to want to invest in, in, in the team and in him too. And there's yeah. just like, how many teams have people with a private plane videoing the course in the eighties for them? Like really? Yeah. In the eighties with our short shorts. With the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I look back now seeing my kids in elementary school uh, and starting out on, you know, some school sports on that journey. And, uh, and I think back to Mr. Duke and Mr. Howroy, Mr. Duke, who was the, uh, talented, you know, he was Canadian champion for years in the hundred yards, I think. And he just happened to also be a teacher at my Willows elementary in Victoria. And these two guys, I think they just set a standard that this was a big deal and it mattered. And so, that just created that idea for me that running was a big deal. And when you were on this team and my team had strong runners, so we often won the team category and worked hard at it. And that transferred over to track as well. So I think I just got to be around this scene uh, that made it so exciting. Now, do you think you realized at the time what a big deal that was like just to have coaches that were that invested in in your success and that engaged or do you think this is something that you've only appreciated in retrospect I would say in retrospect because I was surrounded by my dad uh, who played soccer was the soccer coach for my brother since I can remember most of my weekends were at the soccer pitch our turf um, and on the sidelines and if I wasn't playing my brother was playing and so I was surrounded by my dad who coached. And then, like I said, since my experience of school sports was this wonderful coaching, I think I just, I just was surrounded by it. And now I see, wow, this is very rare and amazing. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also, I just want to go back and, and touch on something because you mentioned a couple of times that you've, you were lucky to compete with other, like there was a strong field of girls, not only on your team, but that you were competing against as well at the kind of regional meets and stuff. Um, do you, I think some of those people that you competed with have gone on to become even Olympians. Can you talk yeah. about some of the people yeah. you've been fortunate to train with? Well, in high school, uh, when I started training with my coach, Wynn up at the UVic track in grade 11, I had the privilege of chasing Deanne Cummings in some workouts. Uh, she was so kind and encouraging. And she went on to break two minutes in the 800 meters and set the Canadian record. So that was just amazing to be around someone so inspiring and talented there. And uh, during provincial track and cross country races in high school, we were led by the infamous Melindy Elmore, and she was a phenomenal 1500 meter athlete and a cross country athlete. And now she's come back in full master's glory to set the Canadian record in the marathon. So to just have her in my year uh, at provincials just set the standard really high and um, just made our group that much stronger chasing her, I think. And then when I went on to SFU, I had teammates like Carrie Rampersad, Heather DeGeese, Carolyn Murray, Emily Mondor, and Natasha Wodak, who all went on to represent Canada at the international level. And both Emily and Natasha broke Canadian records in the 5K and 10K, respectively. And they both went on to the Olympic Games as well. Uh, so just to be around these uh, women who were taking the sport to the next level uh, was really inspiring. 
Uh, and in fact, uh, the first year that I went back to running as a master's athlete, my friend Dinej and I decided to race at BC's in Nanaimo. It was just a convenient local race because we're both on the island. And presumably it was going to be low key because it was held after nationals that year. And actually it turned out that many of the Rio bound Olympic athlete, athletes were there and they were going to do a time trial just before traveling to Rio. And they all happened to race the 1500 meter race, um, which we were entered in. Uh, so my friend and I, we had our matching master's mama's tank tops. We've been maybe training a couple months on the track at this point. And uh, she was actually breastfeeding in the athlete's tent before we were marshaled over to the race with all these high level athletes. And I was doing strides along Natasha Wodak. And uh, she said to me smiling, she's like, you know, I don't think I've ever beat you in a 1500 meters before car. And, uh, and I just smiled because at that point, you know, she's on her way to Rio in a few weeks and she's the 10K record holder. I just let her know, you know, this was going to be her day for that win. <laughs> um, and so it was just so exciting to be alongside this teammate who I'd run relays with at SFU and now was on her way to the Rio Olympics. So you, you said, Natasha, I'll do you a favor and let you win today. <laughs> this one is yours to take. You got me on this one. I could maybe stay with you for a stride at this point. So it was funny to look back and, and I'm just so inspired by how strong both her and Melindy are running right now and inspiring the next generation of runners. I think Melindy's coaching and both of them are staying strong through this COVID year and I'm following their careers, hoping that um, they're at the next Olympics. Oh my goodness. Wow. Like you've, you've competed with and against some very, very accomplished runners for sure. So uh, you know, talk to us about like high school. So in high school and you, we, we've touched on cross country, but talk to us about track a little bit. What, what were your favorite events on the track? Uh, favorite events were the relays for sure. I love those. Uh, and then 1500 meter and 3k through high school were my two specialties. I did run some 800s, but definitely the 1500 was my favorite and then also ran the 3k. Because, yeah, my, my coach in high school, Mr. Butler, he was growing quite a team uh, at the time. And we were sort of, my brother and I were at the start of that. And he recently retired this past year, this past June, uh, after I think it was 30 years of coaching. And I think by grade 9 or 10, we were winning provincials very often. And so he always had us doubling up in events and he threw my brother and his friends who were steeple chasers and 3k, 5k runners. He threw them in the race walk. We came first, second, third. Like he just put people everywhere <laughs> to get points. Right. <laughs> so he would sweep the race walk and, and it was a real team focus. Like I think that's the other piece reflecting back that I did have that personal pressure or uh, desire to be top in my field and my events but I always had this strong team uh, focus around me so that carries you because you get injured you have ups and downs highlights lowlights as an athlete and so maybe when it wasn't your best race it, the team did well or mm -hmm. you could focus on that so I think that was really helpful to run for so long in my life because I think when I talked to Mr. Butler at the start of coaching a few years ago he was saying that he really notices that now there is less team in uh young people's lives in athletics and and that's a lot of pressure so sometimes by grade nine kids who have been excelling are they're either anxious and burnt out or they just haven't been carried by the fun of team and the power of being on a team, right? That carries you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing to highlight because we've talked about this before on this podcast that it often seems like running is a solo sport, right? It's like we're out there on our own competing, but I love what your coaches have done in that they're, they're saying, no, no, this is a team sport. Like we're all on the same team. And when one of you has a bad day, someone else might have a great day and vice versa. And, and this is like, you're part of something bigger. I think that's really amazing that you had that kind of guidance from such a young age. And it seemed consistent throughout your different coaches. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. At every level, even into university, team was huge. And just even training together when you're when you've got a pack of girls and guys that you're running with, you just you just stick in there. You just hang in there, um, mm-hmm. and it's not just you on the track doing reps of 400s or miles or what have yeah. you. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and before we go into your university career, I would just, is, am I reading this correctly? You broke into the low 440s for the 1500 in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that, I was surrounded by, yeah, Melinda Elmer was running 425, I think, at BC. So, uh, yeah, I was maybe, I think I, I think I was about 443, grade 11-ish. That stands out to me on one particular race. And so there was just a high level of excellence all around me. So, um, so it's almost natural for you to follow along with that, right? It's almost like, okay, well, everyone around me is doing this. I guess this is normal. <laughs> well, they say breeds like, right? Like <laughs> you're going to have pockets of of excellence in a lot of different sports but yeah to even place you had to be that much better right yeah I think it spurred us all on because Melindy was talented in high school and she really stood out I mean I think she had a good 15 meters finishing that 1500 on the rest of us <laughs> uh so it really yeah it really set wow. the high Mm-hmm. I bet. And, and so you were, this was grade 11 and you were really hoping to have a strong grade 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happened in grade 12? I had a really good cross country season and then I got injured heading into track season. I don't remember the details. I actually don't even remember what the injury was. I just remember being disappointing because I was really fit coming off of like, I ran into the summer of grade 11 because I was trying for a national team, a junior national team. And that's when I broke into the low 440s, training with Wynn Gimtrowski in the summer, and then had a really good base in the fall with cross country. And then, yeah, and then got injured. Mm, so disappointing. But again, like you said, you're, you're still part of that team, right? You're still yeah. around people that get you and can help you through those low points. So you still participated, I would assume. Yeah, I think I remember running BCs, the 1500, but just not at my best. Did it, but was was not feeling really fit, didn't have my edge. And that's a different kind of racing, right? When you just, you're out there and doing it, but you're not... It's it's not memorable in a in a shiny way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously was not the end of your story. No, I remember my my coach Britt at the time. So she was the he, uh, head women's coach for SFU and had a, a great group of women that were winning NAIs at the time and super fast and strong. I remember her talking to me after the race and saying, you know. It's not your best, but you'll come back. And um, that was the start of our relationship, which continues. Uh, We stay in touch. And her daughters were uh, my husband and my flower girls. And they are now grown and have competed in racing. So, um, yeah, there's these moments, these pivotal moments that, yeah, it wasn't a great 1500 I ran. But that was my first conversation with Britt. Cool. So this is at Simon Fraser University, and this is where you met your husband, your now husband, Chad. Mm-hmm. And what was he competing in? He was competing in the 400 meter hurdles and uh, yeah, a lot of the sprint relays. Uh, so he was in the sprinters group. I was in the distance runners group. You know, we have different swaggers to our walks. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that you were referred to as SFU's fastest couple. Is that accurate? Yeah. When we were graduating, they, they did a little article on us as, cause we were married by then. Uh, and yeah, there's some, I think I remember a SFU article about us being SFU's fastest couple and what we were going to do next. And, um, yeah, it was a special time to go to SFU and meet him and, yeah, and maybe you can give us a little update. Is he still competing in the 400-meter hurdles now? <laughs> no, he's actually taken to mountain biking in the last few years. And um, 
we had a return to the track. We were both 35 at the time. And um, I had taken quite a break. We had both taken a break from running for a good 15 years, I think, from competing or anything. Sort of stayed active through that. But yeah, then we went back for this America's Masters Games and thought, hey, let's just see what we can do in three months. See if we can get some speed back. And I told myself if I can do in 400 meters in under 80 seconds, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to run a 1500, but I was able to. I think I ran 78 or 79. I thought, okay, I'll work with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give myself permission to work with this. <laughs> I'll work with that. And uh, yeah, and then he did the 400 meters. But all that to say, he he was really working hard and had big dreams of Masters Glory and pulled an ab muscle made running difficult from then on and he got into mountain biking. But I mean, really, that background can carry you to all different types of sports, right? When you get older, you can decide to do something completely different, but you have that kind of um, physical competency, if you will, or physical literacy that can, uh, you know, you can explore other things if you want. So I love that. And you guys live in the perfect place for him to get into mountain biking. Yes. So fun. So uh, the master's glory. Was that 2016? That was 2016. Yeah. So that was like 15 years after you were done competing in, mm-hmm. in, in university, correct? Yeah. And had yeah. you pretty much taken those 15 years off? Like talk to us about what role running played kind of after your university career. Yeah. Well, I think it was always my outlet in terms of I could do it anywhere. Uh, I ran whenever I traveled in Europe or, you know, went to conferences down in the States, stayed at hotels, would always be my runners. And I loved, I loved exploring towns and places um, with my runners and I go explore and I'd love to find a, a seawall along the ocean or trails into neat mountains. And so kept loving that. I think it's just after competing. So I, at university I did, cross-country season we went right into indoor season and then outdoor season and then if I was competing for BC or sort of that club season that went right till August and then a couple weeks off start again and because we were in NAI we were traveling to the states a lot so traveling most weekends so I'd kind of go Thursday to Sunday on the road and so yeah after after doing that for four or five years I was tired. (laughs) So running just became, I just did it for fun. I think I walked hills for the first year because I just thought I've done enough hill repeats that if that's a hill and that's hard, I'm walking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. I usually would meet a girlfriend and we'd run and chat. It was our chit chat time. And so, yeah, I just kept it up. I loved it. Just a good 25 minute 5k you know four or five yep. Ks, that felt good and then on with my day yeah and and that that kind of was Brit's philosophy right in in your university career her philosophy was really uh quality over quantity mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah so you've always felt like you'd, you'd rather put in quality miles than just run a bunch of miles is that right yeah I mean we always did a long run in the week of our training which would be you know, 45 minutes to some would do hour 10, 70 minutes, I would say. But I was always sort of on the shorter end of our training group. I wasn't the 5k runners who would maybe do the hour 10. And uh, yeah, she was always about, you don't want to run long and you're going to run long and slow if you run slow, like she wanted everything quality. And uh, so that I that has always been in my mind, I like to run fast. I enjoy long hikes and long runs, um, but my body, especially now, does better with a little less. Less is more. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So running came back into your life in a very significant way in, I want to say, 2016. Can you talk about that time in your life? Sure. Yeah, so 2016, I was 35, and my mom had passed away from pancreatic cancer in April. And um, I had two little kids, I think a two-year-old, yeah, two-year-old and a five-year-old. So life was 
busy and um it was i felt a little bit like forrest gump actually in the sense that i just i was grieving the loss of my mom and i just knew i needed to have the space to process that being a counseling therapist i knew i needed to move it through my body but that's pretty hard to do with a two and a five-year-old i was home mostly with them working part-time but i didn't have a lot of time to myself so I just remember asking a friend or hiring a babysitter and going for these 20 to 25 minute runs. And it was my time to just be free, feel what I felt. Uh, and then Chad and I decided to start doing that together um, because, you know, he'd known my mom a long time and was also grieving her loss. And there was something about she was a very strong and... Hmm. Sorry. It's okay. Take your time. She was quite an amazing woman. And um, so there is just something about, uh, I kind of felt like I could get buried by this because I was sleep deprived, tired. But there was something about her that I just knew she wouldn't want me to waste time being flattened by you know just what we'd been through watching her the last couple years being very sick and caring for her and having young babies and we had recently moved uh when she was diagnosed so just a lot of those huge transitions Mm -hmm. and I just I kept that in my mind that um she'd want me to take it and do something with it that's so special yeah so that's what started our, our Perseverance Run, which was this local fundraiser for the trails here. And just even the words Perseverance Run, um, it's just now become this fall reminder for us of she was an environmental activist. She loved hiking and being in outdoors and because she was had marine biology background, she was always telling us the names of things when we were in the forest and And then it's also, it's this muddy, gritty cross-country run. Uh, If you see the people come in, especially from the 11K, they've been like, they've fallen, they're all mucky and some of them are bleeding and, but they're looking alive. And I think that was the return to running for me at 35 was choosing joy. And because we can, like, that's what Chad and I would say when we go to the track and we usually laugh at just how ridiculous this was that, you know, we were running around this track again, and this is how we met, but it was, we felt alive when we were doing it. And I think I truly realized then how privileged I was to have a body that could do it because I, I'd also had a back injury post babies um, where I couldn't walk for a little while. And my body had always been good to me. And um, a couple of nine pound babies had done a number on my pelvis And so uh, I had to start from scratch in terms of rebuilding strength. I'd been to the weight room consistently for the, you know, I did weights at university, but this was the first time I really pushed myself to get strong. And so I'd say my master's running has this different lens on it that I kind of wish I'd had when I was younger, because I feel like I'm a much stronger runner now than I was then. There's just this strength from way down deep because I just know you never know what next year is going to bring or tomorrow is going to bring and if you're flying in those trails now enjoy it do it and yeah give it your all I kind of have this real taste of this is your moment this is your time so there's no wasting time on oh I kind of don't feel like pushing it right now it's like no you actually got to this race and you're actually doing it and your kids are taken care of and you get a chance to run, like run with all you got. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You talk about a strength you never had when you were younger and you're not talking about physical strength completely. Like it's like you said, it's something deeper and it's a perspective and I'm hearing from you just pure gratitude, just pure gratitude for the moment that you're in when you're in it. Yeah. And I think that comes like you get shaped by different life experiences and just watching my mom, who was 
very, uh, you know, she was one of the first surfers into Fino as a female and scuba diver and strong swimmer. And her, I'll never water ski like she water ski. Like she was just this impressive physical person. And to see her lose her strength, right, amidst her fight with cancer, I think just brought it home for me that when you have that ability and you have that opportunity, just go for it. And you feel so alive. And I think Chad and I really found that. I mean, you know, we we joked that everything was a little bit more creaky at 30s rather than, you know, late teens, early 20s. But we really felt the gratefulness that we could do it. And the feeling of, you know, coming around the bend and knowing that you've done it or you've met your goals. Um, it's pretty rewarding. For sure. And and this is kind of the point in, in your timeline where I met you. And I was, it, maybe you could tell us that story because <laughs> yeah, I, I want to still hear laugh. How you and Carolyn met. Oh my gosh. I, interesting. <laughs> I still laugh at, at the circumstances under which we met. So why don't you tell that story? Yeah. So I, I think you and Johnny were training on the track and you had your kids there as well. So I remember just looking out and seeing, oh, these are people our age doing intervals and I, <laughs> it was so exciting to me that these unicorns these golden unicorns <laughs> yeah. and I think we started talking well, what are you training for and would you want to meet up and do some runs and um and that was such a gift I feel like we had a few years where we got to we were maybe racing a few different distances but we could overlap and kind of spur each other on in terms of meeting up for the uh, an easy run or I think a couple times we couple seasons we would do some intervals and um, mm -hmm. and that was so fun it was so fun like I just remember it the way I remember it Johnny wasn't actually there the very first time so I had the kids Johnny was away and I was like I'm I'm training for this mile like <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. run the the fifth street mile at which for me is very short right so I'm like oh my gosh how do I train for a mile so I, I kind of put a little program together and I go out to the track and I'm like, here, kids. And I have like all these toys for them, like, like little shovels for the sandbox. I'm like, keep yourself busy. And I'm like flying around doing like 150s and <laughs> 300s. Yeah. And then you guys come along and exactly the same thing. I'm like, these are people, they do kind of look like my age. They're doing like 150s. And <laughs> yeah. like, this is so awesome. And so, yeah, we, we started talking to each other. What are, you, what are you training for or whatever? And then we started this, this part cracks me up too. We started meeting up every Wednesday at, do you remember the time? Oh yeah. Wasn't it 9.10 or 9.05? <laughs> <laughs> So this is the, the like how precise you have to be as a basically single parent, like which I, I often was. Or, anyway, so we dropped the kids off. We're like, we could be at Northeast Woods at 9.05. And so every Wednesday we met there at 9.05. Yeah. But those were some of my favorite, favorite runs, like just mm -hmm. easy run in the trail with you talking about your mom, talking about running, like talking about life. We sort of have yeah. similar backgrounds and, and in terms of what we do professionally too and it was just like oh so much fun like I look back on those days very fondly yeah very life-giving I'm, I'm still going Wednesday morning my friend Suzanne meets me and uh, we, we've moved it to basically our kids go to the same school so drop of the is at 8 40 and now we just go from there <laughs> but you, you're going to really make Carolyn feel left out now you know <laughs> <laughs> anytime <laughs> those pieces I mean my coach Britt when we were training she'd often say to all of us like we all had different levels of potential right she's trained some athletes to top in Canada level and then some of us you know represented BC or Canada but never gonna make it to the Olympics perhaps but she would say to us I want you all approaching this like you want to do your very best and you're going to develop a lifestyle of discipline and working towards your goals that you can take into your life as a parent, as a professional, your next goal academically. And I feel like that, that is so true. I noticed that that way of being when I wanted to go after 
something else in my life, whether it's running related or professionally, I feel like I've, I've got those hill reps in me or those early Sunday morning runs. They're, they're in my bones and I just dig deep and it's there and I know how to execute, you know, it's, it's laying those skills for life, I think. Mm-hmm. Such transferable skills, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think when we met, you were training for track BCs, like 2017. Weren't you wanting to break five minutes in the 1500? Yes. Yeah. So after we did our like little three month <laughs> stint to try and get some speed back in our legs for this America's Masters that was coming to Vancouver, we decided to carry on and I started to gain confidence in my body handling workouts and speed and so just built on that and I thought well maybe I could break five minutes in the 1500 that that'll be my goal and yeah I think by by BC's I jumped in with some younger girls and they pulled me along in Vancouver and um, I I still had a good sprint finish (laughs) the pack Uh, I think it was 458 I did it boom awesome it was my killer third lap, like, cause so five minutes is about 80 second, 400. So Chad would be there usually and kind of my kids cheering. And, uh, and he would just say like, when I heard 87 or like 84, that third lap, I was like, crap, it's happening again. Cause I just didn't have the base. I developed some of my speed, but I did not have those years under my belt where I'd been doing longer stuff or any sort of foundation. So it was a real fight initially to just keep my speed in that third lap. (laughs) (laughs) But when you first started back after your 15 year hiatus, weren't you trying to do one 480 seconds? And now you're basically averaging 80 seconds for 1500. So that's amazing in like a year. Yeah, it comes back. And I felt like each year I got stronger. And now tell us about the start line picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my friend who lived in Abbotsford, Kaylee, she came out to cheer us on for the BCs in 2017. And she took this picture because they were sitting kind of at the 1500 meter start there with my kids. So I have my daughter kind of on my leg right before I'm racing. And so, so different than these, I don't know, 17 to 20 year olds who are just able to be in their own world, put their spikes on, do their strides, do their thing. Um, my friend and I, who did a few races with me too, she was breastfeeding right before one fifteen hundred meters. So it's just like you're just aware of the different world you're in, right? To yeah. race, yeah. And anyway, there's this picture that my friend took of the start line. And you just look, there was these new kind of shorts. So when I would compete at SFU, we wore these kind of like bathing suit type, they're called bum shorts. And then you'd wear your sports top or you'd have your little singlet, but it's these little bathing suit shorts and you wear your bum shorts when you race. And I realized in 2017, there's a new bum short and it's this tight, <laughs> tight uh, little longer short shorts, but they're all spandex and they're, they're, they're bum shorts. And then I had my Lululemon kind of <laughs> nice looking, I thought, looser mom shorts on. And so there's this lineup of shorts. And I just had this image of one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you get that picture for our show notes? <laughs> so distinct it was just like oh it really it really just stood out to me and I had a good laugh about it because I just I I would love to know what they were thinking like who's this mom running (laughs) (laughs) you know what I bet you there was at least one other girl on that line that wished she could have been wearing Lululemon shorts too though (laughs) so okay let's just go back for a moment maybe I missed it what ended up happening at this American Masters event that you trained for for three months? I won. Okay. I took it out and I went for it. Well, we need to mention that. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it it was really fun. We had some family and friends that came out to cheer for us. And it was a real, yeah, it was a really neat meet. They had people from all these different North American countries. And uh, there was a woman, I think it was, 80s or 90s who ran the 
hundred meters and like just the span of athletics with ages uh, that were quite impressive, right? And oh my gosh, the massage and physio tents were so busy. There was a hamstring pull. (laughs) But I can only imagine the the energy and the the just the high frequency vibes that people of all decades of life being at an event together. Like you talk about the strength that you carry with you in your 30s and 40s now. I can't imagine. It must have been an amazing event. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. They held it at UBC and uh, they did a really good job. A good crew from Comox Valley runners came over and competed in different events. And so it was, yeah, it was really memorable. Yeah. And special for Chad and I to be back on the track together and, you know, working hard and we're serious about it. But then we had so many good laughs about just how, how different your body feels, right? <laughs> it's good that you can laugh about it, though. That's, that's, yeah. and things you're grateful for, right? Like just making it through a workout without an injury, like when, <laughs> even just getting there right? And yeah. getting there and the fact that the babysitting worked out or that the kids actually played the whole time without running away and having to stop your workout and going getting them. Like there was all these other elements you're dealing with that that's what I mean by you don't waste your time if you've actually got you're, you're going and you're in the interval. You do your best because you don't know actually if you're going to get to do the second one because your daughter who's two might run off and then you got to go get her. And <laughs> It takes away all the stuff I think when I was younger that you'd be like, oh, you might question like, oh, I'm getting tired or like there just wasn't room for that anymore. It was like, Mm -hmm. you have your time to do it, execute it well and on with life. Yeah. So you've been able to string together uh, several injury free years of training, right? Since 2016 and you're running as strong as ever now as a as a master's athlete. So what have you competed in in the last couple of years? Well, I think the racing uh, that I started getting into the rhythm of was uh, doing the fall perseverance 3k run as a family. Uh, When we first went out to do it, uh, I ran it in 1313 and set the women's record for that course. And then got a little bug in my mind that I'd like to try to break 13 minutes. So uh, we've continued to do that race each fall, and it took me a couple of years. You know, the conditions are uh, definitely affect your times in that course. Um, if it's super mucky and slippery, uh, you can only go so fast without tripping and falling. Uh, so it took me a couple of years, but last year in 2019, I ran 12:49 and broke that 13 minutes mark, and um, proudly shared the Princess of the Forest title with my eight-year-old son, Hudson, who was the prince of the forest that year, coming in behind me in 14 minutes, 53 seconds. Uh, so I was, we were just so proud of him. And it was, a, it was a special running moment for us to be there together and see him really break into full stride and could see him starting to learn how to race uh, against adults and kids around his age and even older. That was really cool. And wasn't the first year that he did it, he was significantly slower than 14 minutes. Hadn't he had a big improvement in his time? Yeah, yeah. I looked back and so he was five when he first did it and he came in in 21 minutes, 13 seconds. And then over the four years, he brought his time down to 14 minutes, 53 seconds. So we wow. have that I don't have that long till he's just right up. Or passing me. (laughs) Well, and how special that you two are sharing the podium together. Yeah, yeah, that was a special year. He did say when he was five and saw that we got these toques that said Prince of the Forest or Princess of the Forest. He thought, oh, one day I want to be Prince of the Forest. So happy day for him. (laughs) And and don't you get a chocolate medal at that race too? Oh, yes, yes. I I would imagine that's very special for a young person. (laughs) Yes, that's right. They don't last long. (laughs) No. And I think the more relevant question is what costumes have you been wearing and (laughs) what was your fastest superhero costume? Well, I learned the first year. So we, my son who ran with us the first year, he was five. He wanted to be a forest ninja. So Chad and Hudson and I all dressed like forest ninjas 
And this involved this uh, green material sort of wraps around our black sleek outfits. And so we'd wrap, we'd tie this green material to kind of look like straps. But I didn't realize, you know, once I started running, the ones on my legs got loose. And so it was, it was actually like a tripping hazard the whole first time I ran that. So I learned from that, that pick a costume that is not going to be a tripping hazard in the trails that are already Rudy, slippery, mucky. Just for some of our listeners, I don't know if we've emphasized the Perseverance Trail Run is usually ran right around Halloween, correct? Like the last Sunday in, in October? Yeah. They're usually inspired by our kids. This has been our hope to get our kids into the sport and feel that vibe of community and what running can be in a, on a bigger level, you know, being part of team, being part of fundraising for something. So yeah, usually Stella and her Hudson sets the costume uh, trend for our family. And you're usually winning the costume category as well as the running category. (laughs) (laughs) You're quite, quite the family, quite the family, but that segues really nicely into All that outstanding coaching in your early years, which maybe at the time you didn't know to be grateful for, but now in retrospect, you're seeing how important that was in shaping who you are as an athlete. So now fast forward to the present. I understand you've taken on a coaching role at your kid's school and you're paying it forward to the next generation now that they're showing some interest and some talent in running. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I think actually it was the year that you and I were running together to her start there that my son was in grade one or two at um, Colorado Road. And I think I just at one of the pickups, I just sort of saw they were starting to do track practicing or what have you. And I was just watching it a little bit. And I think you and I thought, well, I wonder if we can maybe teach the teachers that are teaching that some drills just to even give the kids the basics of that. And And the more I thought about, I just had this, felt this responsibility that I have a little bit I can pass on in terms of experience. I don't have a lot of coaching experience, but uh, just even from being in the sport, I think I could draw on that to create some little workouts or teach them some basics around how to run and just how to have fun doing it as a team. Uh, So the last few years joined up with friends uh Colin and Suze and myself and yeah we've been just running a little cross-country team at the elementary school doing a, a fall and spring season and um hopefully teaching them you know how to warm up for a race but by, by the time they leave elementary school how to warm up for a race how to pace oneself and know their body how to do a good finishing kick that's major for me because those guys are they could just be walking some of them. And then I stand with a hundred meters to go. And I'm like, come on, gamer. And they can did full out sprint. Like they didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they just start sprinting. So hopefully they can discover some of those pieces too, of what they didn't know they had inside of them actually is there if you channel it. And so I'm, I'm hoping over the years that they'll, they'll grow in that confidence. And, and it's also a sport that, you can be part of it whether you're athletically gifted or not. And maybe your goal is just to finish the course, walking, running, walking. Um, and that's a big goal to accomplish. So I love that aspect of it, that kids who maybe will never be on another team sport can maybe have this experience of being part of the sport and learning how to move their bodies and be more coordinated and be more healthy. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. This is, and you, you've proven running is a sport somebody can do for life in, in so many different iterations and it can give you back so many different ways. And like you said, it's, it can be totally individual. If you never do another team sport, you can always go at the door and put on your shoes and move. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to compete, right? To show up to, it's sort of a vulnerable thing to show up and in front of your friends and, and say, this is what I've got today. And I love that you're fostering a community where no matter your athletic talent, 
you can show up and you can give it your all and and you're part of something. So mm-hmm. that's amazing mm-hmm. that that you are lending your your coaching. I know you say you don't have a, a lot of background in it, but I think you do because you've been exposed to so many great coaches in your own life, right? So mm-hmm. thank you for doing that. And and I understand that during the pandemic year, this has been a, a very odd year, obviously, the school sports are not going on. But how have you gotten creative in this pandemic year to still kind of bring that cross country and the running to the kids? Yeah, well, we, I guess the pandemic hit right in the midst of spring cross country season, March. So what we started doing was creating these family videos about drills or uh, workouts that someone could do in their house or in their backyard or on their street, or if they could get some space in a trail near their house, how they could do some hill repeats. And so basically would send these out to the team and our co-coaches, Colin and Suze, with their family would do these fun races through the trail and show kids what they could be doing, even though we're not competing and racing at school. Um, So just trying to encourage them to keep going, find ways to be active. Homeschooling was an experience for all of us, I'm sure. So I found that was so important to just have some ways to be active and and have fun with your kids. And then this fall, there's been some kids that came up and asked me at school, are we doing cross country this year? And it spurred us on to just meet in the trail for those who could come with their parents. And we're just doing trail running with them, hill workouts, intervals, fartlek runs, and they're having a great time. So Carlene, um, in keeping in line with our uh title of this podcast, Inspired Souls, we always like to ask people, who particularly has been inspirational to you in your running journey? Is there anybody that, you know, one or two people that stand out to you that you can tell us about? I I guess I think of my high school and my university coaches, Mr. Butler, Britt Townsend, uh, I feel like their their voices are in my head still when I'm running because there's just so many races where they were there cheering me on or so many workouts where I could just hear their voice. It's kind of part of me when I run now. And I think they both were also individuals that led lives that were groundbreaking, you know, and they impacted their community. Like I referred to before, my high school coach built such a tradition of excellence and such a great program that people wanted to be part of track. They wanted to be part of cross country. And then I look at Britt, who was the only female head coach initially, and just the groundbreaking stuff she did as a head coach and the program that she built. Yeah, those those two people were quite inspiring to me. Amazing. And what's exciting you right now? What are you looking forward to? Are you training any for anything right now? What's what's going on and what's keeping you excited these days? Yeah, uh, I don't have anything I'm training for specifically. Getting out running with friends, uh, running with kids. And, you know, I don't know if I, I finished my sort of little rhythm I got into of running this one race in the fall And then in the spring, I would often train for the Fifth Street Mile. That was a community race here. Um, So I think last year, 2019, I tried a few different things. I ran the Half Cumbie, which is a big one for me, 13 kilometers in the mountain run, uh, and also competed at Masters BC Cross Countries, which was an 8K. So I sort of stretched myself with the egging on of, some friends here who were doing the events and we trained together to just see if I could go a little longer and how my body would respond to that. I'd always kind of shied away from that worried it would hurt my back or flare something up, but um, I was able to do some of my longer stuff on my mountain bike and then just do the really specific speed stuff running. So I just kept my mileage low, but was able to break into the longer stuff and and quite enjoyed it. The Cumbi was a great experience for me. I think one of those ones where literally 2k into the 13 kilometers, I thought I was like I I thought I was done. I it was so hot. We hadn't had any heat and then it was 
really, really warm that day. And I was parched. I didn't bring water or anything like that because I'm a I'm a short distance runner. So when the water station was a bit off course and they didn't sort of hand it out to you, I just skipped it because I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm flying here. I'm not stopping for water. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to stop for water. So I learned a lot and, and I found some new gears kind of going up those hills. Like I said, I went out hard with the guys uh, initially and felt quite, you know, uh, it took it out of me that first 2k of it, because it was all uphill and in the trail and it was hot. And then I got these second gears along the way. Um, and that was an experience I'd never had before in shorter races, you don't have that where you think you're done. And oh, I got a whole mm-hmm. other okay, I'm searching again, here we go, I'm back in the race. <laughs> so I think I'd love to try some of those trail runs again, that just is new experiences and out there having fun with you know being around such a good environment like these community races Mm -hmm. yeah well I just remember when we were training together you thought of like an 8k it's like an ultra marathon so I gotta hats off to you for for even like trying the 13k that's amazing (laughs) and I have no doubt that with all that background that you have with speed that you can rock some of these quote unquote, long, long distances, 13k. (laughs) If you keep at them, right, because you're just, you know, you're learning all of the fueling and taking in the water and all of that stuff. But once you nail that, man, you have so, so much potential at some of these more traditional distances. So we have a few end of the podcast questions. Are you ready to rock with those? Sure. So what is your favorite uh, mantra? Or do you have a favorite mantra? Well, I often say to myself before I go out, take what the body gives. Mm-hmm. I often don't plan too far ahead what I'm going to do if I'm in a season where I'm training for something. I say, take what the body gives. Be grateful to be out there. And then uh, a real one that has stuck with me from SFU, my friend Inej and I, uh, we would say, stick it in. Mm-hmm. Like when it's tough, stick it in. And so I think I think of that on these on these tough moments in races, I say, stick it in and be proud of, be proud of what you give. And I find myself saying to the kids often when I'm training them is steady and strong, or you got this. So uh, those, those ones will go over my head when I'm doing repeats or in a race. So what is your favorite place to run? If you could drop anywhere on the planet right now, where would you run tomorrow? You know, I think I'm there. I love mm-hmm. running in Cumberland. I love running at Seal Bay, a good ocean loop by Point Homes. I feel like I, I thought a bit about this one and anywhere in the world where there's a nice oceanside run, I think I go back to my times in Victoria where I would run along the water and do this big loop and just be oceanside. I think I'm drawn to that. But Probably trail, trail in Cumberland, trail at Seal Bay is just, you're in the trees. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Well, I tell you, this keeps coming up over and over again with this question. We we seem to be really talking to a lot of people who have lived in the Comox Valley, but it surely is a really special place on the planet. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I can recall several amazing runs in Seal Bay with you, <laughs> not to mention other trails as well. So... Okay. Do you have any runs on your bucket list? Well, I think it would be neat. I think I'll keep my eye out on the different places where, you know, when we start racing again, where they might do world masters games. I think I, I, I would be intrigued if my body allows to give one more shot at that 1500 to just see what I could do there. I think there's a, there's a record in the fifth street mile that if I could break five minutes in that, there would be a record there that to be had. And then, you know, there's, there's some neat relay events that I think would be super fun to do. Um, I'd have to check this, but I think there's a Canadian record for the 4x800 that is within reach in the master's age group, which I think would be fun to get some girls together and train for. Okay, so what is your favorite running book or movie? Well, I'm currently reading Let Your Mind Run because that was recommended by you, Carolyn, mm-hmm. I think, as well as your needs in the last month. So I'm, I'm into that and I quite enjoy it. 
Um, and I think I recall from before, uh, Without Limits, the Prefontaine mm-hmm. movie, um, just quite loving that, just the, the strength and the inspiration of that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Such a good movie. Final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? You know, I think for me, uh, my indulgence after a good run is replaying the race. I like thinking about the transformational moments, things you find out about yourself out there. That's definitely my post-race indulgence. If I think about it, the training is one phase, the racing is another phase, and probably for me, reflecting on the experience, uh, the lead-up and the race is, is my favorite. Uh, I believe it's in those areas of life uh, where you take those courageous risks that you discover some of those most important, valuable things about yourself. And for me, one of these arenas is running. And that sticks with you because I can think back to my first year uh, at SFU as at the NAIA Track National Championships in Florida. And this is a year later after my grade 12 year where I was injured and did not feel on my game. Um, And so I built up some strength and was injury free. And I just squeaked into the final for the 1500 meters. Um, So kind of, I'm that underdog, don't really belong there, but made it through. And with about 300 meters to go, my coach Britt was just standing on that corner and she said, go for it, Carlene. And I just made this decisive move. I went out into lane two, I was at the back of the pack and I just surged until I was in third place um, behind my two SFU teammates, Heather and Dinesh. And I broke into the 430s for the first time. And it was so memorable and impactful for me that I had that in me to sprint for the last 300 meters of that race. And it's something I wouldn't have known I was capable of unless I took that risk. Those are the learning experiences I'm, I'm really hopeful for thinking of coaching kids right now is just giving them the opportunity to figure out how to push their limits, lay down those layers of toughness uh, in training or in a race, and really to build some resiliency. Um, I think they're going to need it in our world today. And I think being in a sport uh, is one place where you can really figure some of those things out about yourself that you have to do and figure out and be courageous about. You can't have someone give it to you. Um, you got to earn it. So I think looking back on those transformational moments are our treasures, they're gifts of the sport uh, and racing. And who knew that running would be that platform to really learn so much about yourself and discover things about yourself that you just didn't know were possible, right? I mean, I used to look back at running as just running, but it really is so much more than that, as we've heard threaded Mm -hmm. throughout your entire story. It's just amazing. Yeah, so true. Oh my goodness. This has been such a fun interview. I knew it would not disappoint. Thank you so, so much for your time today, for your inspiration for your friendship for giving back to the sport in such a big way. You are an absolute mentor and uh, total inspiration to me personally. So thank you for your friendship. Oh, thank you. Yes. I want to say thank you too for coming on. I tell you, you've given me a lot to think about. I represent the the longer distance part of this uh, podcast and I'm thinking I've, I've got to get on the track. <laughs> you, uh, you're certainly an inspiration and um, thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome.